we're going into a series we call Counterfeit. And, and I think it's so, it's so um, intentional and it's so awesome to see what God, how God's been doing things in our church and what God's been doing, how he's kind of been speaking to us. Um, because one of the greatest challenges we have in American Christianity is to fall away from the, the love relationship with God and pick up religion and say, I go to church, I do this, therefore I am saved. And that's not what it's about, is it? It's about following Christ and being just loving Jesus and, and, and doing what he says to do, walking alongside of him, being in partnership with God throughout your life and allowing him to change you and mold you into the person he's called you to be. You know, and this week I was reading the 412 plan and I got into Luke. And as I read through Luke, God really started speaking to me. As, and I'll read it right quick. Um, but in Luke 8, he starts talking about the seeds and all that good stuff. And the, there's, there's some seeds that are thrown, and it lands in the thorns. And so what Jesus interprets when he tells what, the, what this means, he says in verse 14, he says, The seed that fell among the thorns stands for those who hear the word, but they go on their way, and it's choked out, choked out by the worries of life, by the riches, pleasures of life. And they do not mature. They do not mature. But the seed that is on the good saint, on the good falls on the good soul, stands for those with a noble and good heart, who hear the word, retain it, and by preserving produces a crop. It's so easy for us to 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 do life, and next thing you know, life has sucked us up, and there's you can't tell a difference between my life and someone that claims that they don't know Jesus. Because life has sucked us in, and it's been more about me and doing life for me, and we'll go through the motions of church. And next thing you know, we're just a bunch of religious people coming to church every week empty, right? We're not being full. We're not walking in the fullness of the Spirit. We're just, we're just empty, and we're drained. And it's because we are walking in religion and not in that passionate union with God, that, that relationship with Jesus. And a lot of times I know, because if you hear me say this, sometimes you're looking at me like, what are you talking about? Because we've been accustomed to religion for so long that we don't know what a true relationship looks like. When you see somebody that truly gets it, you're like, man, what's going on with them? They're not weird. They just get Jesus. They're not, they're not messed up. They're not, they're not just being too zealous. They finally realize what it means to follow Christ, and they're running after it. There's a guy that I love deeply. He's 70-something years old. He was a deacon in his church, grew up in church. I would have considered him a very godly man because he was in church all the time. He, he served widows. He did all this stuff. But yet, outside of church, he was a totally different person sometimes. What's going on? What's happening? And he, he never would share the gospel. He never would tell anybody about Christ. He was too ashamed to tell anybody about his testimony. And so it, as it went through... About three years ago, he got challenged to go a little deeper, and he did, and he, he accepted that challenge. And, and as he did, God began to move in his life. The challenge was, was to pray for 10 people to, to receive Jesus and through a revival. And this man called me. He said, Jeremy, I want you to help me pray. He said, I got too many names. God began to put names on my heart. I started writing names down. And as I wrote names down, I looked at, I got 60-something names on this piece of paper that I'm going to pray for that God would, God would change their life in revival. And I, I can't do all this on my own. So I went over there and began to look at it. And I noticed 
that it was written kind of weird. And I was like, well, what, what, you, what you got going on here? I mean, what language are you speaking in? He said, oh, I speak English. He said, I just never learned to read and write real well. I said, I'm dyslexic. So every name was backwards. And he read his Bible passionately backwards. He read his Bible every day backwards. And I'm like, I have no excuse at all by saying I don't understand the Bible because this man's reading it backwards. But through that revival and through him and through him intentionally praying, God radically changed his life. And he says he realized that he was sitting on a church pew every Sunday just going through the motions of religion and never really tapping into the passionate, just life-giving relationship with Jesus. He was never really... But when he let go, when he took the brakes off, as Russ likes to say, when he, when he really began to, to just to seek after God, God's done amazing things through this man. In the last three years, I bet there's 50 people that's come to know Jesus because of this man. He's, he's going to jail ministry now. He's, he's getting involved in all these different ministries. He said, I'm doing things four days a week, and I'm looking for something to fill Friday with. This is a man in his 70s that it took him till he was 70-something years old to realize he'd been missing it his whole entire life. He'd been going through the motions of religion, and now Jesus has become so real to him. He loves Jesus. He wants to please Jesus with the rest of his life. He lives every day like it's his last, and God's using him in a mighty way. And when I see him, I'm like, you are a rare jewel in the church today, and that is very sad. Why? Why? Because we settle, don't we? We settle with just coming to church. We settle with just reading our Bible. And if we're not careful, we turn this relationship with Jesus into a do and a don't list. Why do you read your Bible? Because that's what I got to do. Why do, you, why do you serve God? Why do you, why do, you do these? Because that's what I got to do. That's what I got to do. And it's all about doing things. We turn it into a checklist. And as long as we've checked all these things, as long as we've done all these things, then everything is good with me and God. Right? That's how we believe. That's what the church today believes. So we became not about pursuing Christ and, 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 the pre, and making him pleased with the way we live and we're honoring God in everything we do. It's about this checklist, right? And this checklist is good, then I'm good. And we're living empty lives. You see people, and you're like, man, how do, how, how do, they, how do they pray like that? You know how people pray like pray, and, and healings happen? Because they spent time with the Father before that day. Because they're spending time with God. They're seeking into God. When you see God using people in a mighty way, it didn't just happen overnight. It's been a consistent day-to-day, I'm spending time with Jesus. I love you, Jesus. I, want you, to, I, want, I want, you to, want you to have my entire heart, and I'm serving him every day. I'm going to him reading my Bible, not because i got to read my Bible. It's because I want to dine with Jesus. I want to spend time with God. I want him to speak to me. That's what God wants out of us. Instead of this whole, oh, i got to read the Bible, because, you know, if I go to Connect Group and, and I didn't read my Bible, you know, they're going to look down at me. Out of guilt, not out of love, right? And so we're, we're, we, we live this life where it's empty. And, we're, and, and, and I want to be honest with you. I went to church. My life was never changed. And I got to the place to where I, I pretty much told myself, if this is all there is to Jesus, I don't need him because I can be good by myself. But to be godly, I couldn't. And the goal of this Christian life is not to be good, it's to be made into the image of Jesus Christ. It's to be made godly by the time you leave this place, right? 
And so if you're going to, if, if, it's, if it's the whole goal of the Christian life is to be made into the likeness of Christ, to walk as Jesus walked, as it says in 1 John, if that's what it is, that that's the goal, then that means it can't be just mere religion. It's got to be the relationship. It's got to be I'm pouring into Christ, and he's changing me every day, right? I can't be the same person when I raise my hand and said I want to know Jesus today than I was then because God should be changing me. God should be molding me. I shouldn't be the same husband that I, that I, that I was before I knew Jesus, right? I should be serving my wife at a whole new level. Same thing with women, too. Let me lead y'all out, spouses. Some of your husbands are like, what, what about her? Don't leave her out. And so the whole thing is Satan has came in, and especially into the church, and he has made a counterfeit gospel to where it's all about what you do instead of who you love, instead of who you pursue. And if we can just keep thinking that we're doing all the right things, we think that we're going to heaven, and we, go, we end up working ourselves right on into hell because we don't have a relationship with God. And so we're going to be in Revelation chapter 2. And so as you turn there, I'm going to give you a little brief little scenario here. But as, as John writes these letters to these churches, Jesus is giving John this revelation. And, it's, and these letters are for the churches in Asia Minor, right? These are for all these churches. There's seven churches. And so he's writing these letters to these churches for them to see. It's like an x-ray almost. The, the outside looks all good, but inside it's kind of jacked up. And I think a lot of us, we think we're okay. We think everything's good. I, I, I got a friend of mine. He's, uh, he's in his mid-40s, and he was thought everything was fine. He was he was exercising he was outside he looked extremely healthy and he started having chest pains and he's he went he thought it was stress he quit paying attention and then he finally went and realized there was something wrong with his heart but outside looked fine you couldn't see a lot of us are just like my friend we come to church and we all look fine on the outside but there's something jacked up right here there's something missing right here and so what paul's trying to do here he's i mean not paul but john he's writing this to the churches to make them, for it will speak to them and make them see who they really are. So as, you, as I read this, don't think about these writing it to the church because the church is made of people, right? So for the church to, to move, that means the people have got to move, okay? We look at the churches in our community and, and our, we're like, oh, I can't believe that church and that church ain't doing nothing. That's called the people in the church ain't doing nothing. You hear me? So if we're going, if we're going to be a church movement, that means the people in the church have got to get off their seats, and start moving, right? And so he's writing that to him. So, so don't think about just the church. Think about this. This is Jesus is saying this to you in the individual level. Okay? Reading this message, apply it to yourself. Examine your heart. Don't look to your neighbor. Get that mirror and put it right here. Examine your heart. Because he didn't call us to be religious, and I I, I am not gonna be a religious church. Amen? All right. So Revelation chapter 2, verse 1. If you don't know, Revelation is the last book of the Bible. Revelation chapter 2, verse 1 says, To the angel of the church of Ephesus writes, These are the words of him who holds the seven stars in his right hand and walks among the seven golden lampstands. I know your deeds. I know your hard work, your, your perseverance. I know that you cannot tolerate wicked people, that you have tested those who claim to be apostles but are not 
and have found them false. You have persevered and you have endured hardships for my name and have not grown weary. Yet I hold this against you. You have forsaken the love you had for me at first. Consider how far you have fallen. Repent and do the things you did at first. If you don't repent, I will come to you and I will remove your lampstand from its place. But if you have, but if you have this in your favor, but you have this in your favor, I'm sorry. You're, you hate the practices of, of the Nicolaitans, Nickelodeons, which I also hate. Whoever has ears, let him hear. See, he brings that to a personal level. Whoever has ears, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To the one who is victorious, I will give the right to eat from the tree of life, which is in paradise of God. So he first starts telling them, look, this is all the stuff that you've been doing. I mean, they were doing some great stuff, right? But I want you to understand something. What's cool about this is this is the church of Ephesus, right? This is the same church that Paul wrote to in the book of Ephesians. Okay, so Paul wrote to the book of Ephesians. Paul planted this church, and they were, you read all through the book of Ephesians, and he was talking about how much he adored their love for God. So these are people that were in love with God. They were, they were serving God. They were doing everything out of love and, and, and driven by love for God. And so the book of John was written 35 years later. So 35 years passed, and now Jesus is saying to that church, you're doing all the right things, but you got the wrong heart. It's so scary to me. 35 years. Because that means, well, that tells me if you're not intentional every day, in 35 years you can lose your passion. In 35 years you can lose your desire. In 10 years, in 5 years, if you're not focused on Christ, you can allow the worries of this life to, to squish out the productivity of the fruit in your life. And if you're not careful, you'll live your entire life going through the motions and not truly know the trueness of God. And that's what he's called us to know, and that's who he's called us to be. And he rises to the second generation of Christians. Seeing my son, seeing Payson, I'm thinking about he's the second generation. He will only get what I give, what I deposit into his life, right? So if I'm not sold out, he will see through my insincerity. He will see through my fakeness. He will see through those things. So if I'm not intentional with pouring it into him, the next generation won't get it. And I'm not thinking about the next generation of church. I'm thinking about the next generation of Lindsay's, okay? How about the next generation of, of your family? Are they going to love Jesus like you do? The only way they're going to love Jesus like you do is if you show them how to love Jesus. If you don't compromise, if you don't back down, the only way they're going to know what a spirit-filled man and woman looks like if you show them the way. And we look at the next generation and we talk so much trash about the next generation. We talk trash about the youth of the day. The problem is they, they are reaping what we did not plant. The world planted seeds in their heart. Because we wasn't the ones cultivating it. And the only way that happens is we got to go in there with the word of truth and pluck the weeds out and put the right things in their heart. Y'all with me? But if we get caught up in religion, it don't happen. Now, people that used to praise God are now being rebuked. 
man, that's so sad to me. So, so, so they appeared to be very, they appeared to be a, like a, a moving church. They choose, when they, people seen that church, they were like, man, that church is rocking it. They, they do, all this stuff has happened. Look at, the, look at the programs they got. Look at the people they got. Look at the shirts they wear. I mean, come on. Look at all, man, that church, is, they got awesome music. Man, the, the preaching is all right. I mean, all this stuff is good. They're, they're talking, all this stuff is awesome about this church, but yet something inside's wrong. They were serving. They were a serving church. They were busy doing the work of the Lord. They were sacrificing. The word labor there, it means to, to, the, to toil to the point of exhaustion. Like, they were in it to win it, right? They were, they were working hard. They weren't just barely just getting by. They weren't, just, they weren't just like a bunch of DOT workers, just leaning up, five people leaning on a shovel. You know what I'm saying? I used to be a DOT worker, so I, ain't, I used to be one. Anyhow, you know, they were a doctrinally sound church, right? They knew the Word of God. It wasn't like they didn't know. They knew the Word of God. They didn't tolerate wicked people. They tested them who claimed to be apostles. They were a steadfast church. Like when persecution hit them, they didn't quit. They just kept going. That's the danger of just being, like you can do all the right things. You can, you can persevere. You can do all those things, but where is your heart, right? And that's what he's asking them. From the outside looking in, they were rocking it. They were killing it. So from the outside looking in in your life individually, some people might say, man, that man's got it together. That woman's got it together. That, that man, they, they, they're solid. They put in, man, they put in, you see what they put on Facebook this morning? Come on. Did you see their Snapchat? I mean, they, they put in scripture on Snapchat. Man, what, man, them, they are sure enough follower of Jesus. And they get behind closed doors and they treat their spouse like a dog. They go to work and they, 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 they blow up. We're all going to fall short every now and then, but it shouldn't be an everyday occurrence, right? And so the Ephesians, they had taken, what happened is they had taken their eyes off of God. They got so caught up in the work. They got so caught up in the, in, in the today that where their love for God had got tarnished. And they thought the, the work of God substituted that. See, the work of ministry don't substitute the love of God. Y'all with me? Those two don't work together. And I think the church today, we have the same exact challenges. We, we, we got great intentions. We want, we want God to do amazing things, but it all depends on where all of our hearts are, right? The church won't move. It's like, it's like we got an anchor. If we're just, we're just going through the motions, we're going to be anchored right here, and there's not going to be any movement. So you see it. If I'm gonna, when I read Scripture, I'm going to be honest. Can I be honest and real with you? Pick your feet up because it's going to be tough. When I read Scripture, when there's a church that's sitting still, that's stagnant, that's not growing, that means a church that has lost their love for Jesus. When I see a man or woman, and I look back at my own life, the stagnant parts of my own life, when I am sitting still, when, I have no, when I'm not growing, that's when I've taken my eyes off of the prize and I'm putting it on my circumstances. I've taken the eyes off of Jesus and I put it on my feelings. And I'm not growing, I'm just sitting in the same place. Let me tell you something. Jesus wants our total 100% love. We talk about you got to love Jesus. That's, that's the reality. If you don't love Christ, you won't continue. When things get hard, you'll quit. They had taken their eyes off of them. And see, it's so scary because you can be doing the work of ministry. You can be doing all these things, but with the wrong heart. 
You see, your motives matter. Repeat that with me. Say, my motives matter. Let me hear it. Come on, one more time. My motives matter. So what you do matters because it's about what motivates you to do it. Why do you share? I remember when I first got saved, I was all jacked up, didn't have nobody leading me. I was going and sharing the gospel because I thought that's what I was supposed to do, right, to please God. All right, so if I, man, if I share the gospel with 10 people this week and, and eight of them get saved, well, God's going to be happy with me, right? If, if, I, if, I see, if I see a little lady struggling and I go help her across the road, man, God's going to be happy with me. And it was, it was messed up motives. It was, it was, I was trying to work myself in God's favor instead of working from God's favor. Because when you're saved, you've you're, you got favor with God. When you're saved, you're his child. And you, need, you don't need to try to do things to please him. You serve. You serve others. You live that out because of the love you have for God in your heart, right? Some of us need to grab hold of that this morning. Because you've been doing things with the wrong heart. Your motive's been all jacked up. And it's so easy to get caught up in life and the thorns of life choke out your love for God. And you don't mature into the man or woman that God's called you to be. See, religion, it completely, it completely replaces and destroys the, the purpose of the relationship with God. Because what religion does is it makes it about the things that you have to do. And it makes this ladder that you have to climb. And we like ladders because when we start climbing ladders, then we start feeling like we, we're actually doing something, right? But this relationship with God is the more you love God, the more you submit to God, the more he's going to flow in you, the more you're going to see him use you, the more opportunities to share his love is going to come through you. But it all starts with loving him. And a lot of people are just, they're, they're, they're miserable. A lot of people I know that started walking out, started their walk, and, and they quit. Because it got hard. You know why? Because it was all about what they had to do instead of loving God for who he is. You won't keep going. You won't press in when it gets hard. If you're trying to serve God out of what you have to do for God, he don't need you to do nothing. You do out of your heart for him, right? And some preachers are scared to do that because you say that and people will twist it. Be like, oh, I ain't got to do nothing no more. I just got to love Jesus. I ain't got to go set up. I ain't got to serve. I ain't got to pray. I ain't got to read. You know what I'm saying? People take that. But the reality is, is when you love God, like those things flow out naturally. Nobody taught me how to share the gospel. Like it just flowed naturally. Nobody taught me how to, how to go pray for someone. That, that desire came naturally. I felt the pull on my heart, the tug of my heart. See, those things flow naturally when, you, when you're loving God. You know, I thought about relationships that, you know, that are kind of, God put marriage as a relationship that we can look as a representation of what it really means to follow God, right? Because marriage is hard, right? Right? Don't be lying. You know you're lying. It's hard. Some, you got to look over the other person's fault sometimes. You got you to love them to keep pushing through, right? It's, a, it's that love. You got to learn how to give and take, right? But see, when people are in a marriage for what they can get out of the marriage, they're always miserable because they're never getting what they want. And so I, I, a guy told me the other day, he's like, the reason that people should get married is not for themselves. It's to bet if they live their entire life once they get married to better their spouse, they will never be unfulfilled. They will always be happy because if, if each spouse is doing that, 
to better the other one, things will always go in the right direction. How about, how about that's, that's so awesome because that's how we should also live with our relationship with God. If we are living our relationship with God out so that we are bettering the world around us because of Christ flowing through us, we'll stop complaining, we'll stop trying to quit, and we'll stop, just, we'll stop really doing all the things that we're doing now. We'll stop serving out of obligation. We'll be like passionately pursuing God. We'll stop giving excuses of why we don't. And stop asking God, God, why not another? But see, religion makes us think about all these things we have to do. When's the last time have you begged God, God, Lord, give me one more thing. Lord, I want to do one more thing for you. Lord, show me somebody to go witness to. Show me somebody else to go talk to. God, give me this person to love on. How many times have you done that? The reality is most of us in this room, we haven't because we're so caught up in yesterday. We're caught up in our life. We're caught up in work and the kids. And no doubt it's hard. And you used to not have no compassion for people who had kids. I was just like, you need to suck it up. But then God gave me pacing, and everything changed, right? He wakes up 127 miles an hour. And, and so it's like I understand the struggles of life, but that's the thing. We can't allow the love of our life to, to squish out, to, to stomp out the love we should have for God. If I've had a long night, if my son hadn't slept all night, guess what's going to happen in the morning? I'm still going to get up and I'm still going to go to work. You know why? Because I'm motivated by that money. Because that money is what keeps lights on. That money is what, buys, what pays that truck payment. That money is what buys the food on the table. I'm motivated by money. What motivates me to get up and read my Bible? What motivates me to get up and pray? Because of that same scenario, you take work out of it. Nine times out of ten, we're going to be like, snooze God, we'll talk to you tomorrow. Because we're not motivated by love for God. Our life here on earth has jaded our vision, and this is more important than loving and pursuing God. And, and our, see, we've been people that are just marred down by religion. And we're not really pursuing God like we should. And, and you know, it's just one of those things. How, how do I recognize? How do you recognize that you left your first love? How do you recognize that? I looked at my own life. How do I recognize that in my own life? I'm miserable. I get miserable. I'm, I'm, some days it's just it's hard to even go. I remember when I, when, I was, when I was outside the will of God, it was miserable to go to church. It was miserable to sit in a church service. I was like, this is pointless. I ain't getting nothing out of that man. Some of y'all may think this every Sunday, but anyway. I, I was miserable. To, to think about serving other people was stupid to me because it was all about me. Why would I want to do something for you? I was also, if, you're, if you've lost your first love, what happens is you'll start pursuing God and then you'll burn out and stop. You'll, you'll quit. So if you start having the desire, if you start feeling the desire, look, I need to just back off a little bit. I need to quit a little bit. I need, man, I, I just need to stop going to church as much. I need to quit going to connect group as much. You, you start burning out. Your passion stops going. Let me tell you, you're starting to lose your first love for God. Another thing that I realized is I began to get puffed up with pride. I began to, I began to think I have arrived, right? And so when I have, think I have arrived, guess what? I stopped giving to other people grace. I'm not giving other people grace. I'm like, look, I don't know why you're still stumbling. When I know that I tripped over the same thing five times, and they trip over one time, I'm like, man, what's wrong with you? Get up. 
Instead of giving them grace and like, hey, brother, I know where you're at. I know what you're struggling. I know what you're walking in. Come on, let me get your hand. Let's walk on through this. But see, when I've taken my eyes off of God and put it on me and I've lost my first love for him, it's all about self-promotion. And I'm walking in bitterness, walking in pride. The last thing that I know in my own life is that it, I genuinely don't enjoy spending time with God. When I'm, losing, when, I have, when I'm starting to lose my desire for God, when I'm losing my first love, when I'm losing that, for, I, don't, I don't enjoy spending time with him. I don't enjoy it at all. Reading my Bible is, is a chore. I found myself one day reading my Bible, and I was reading it. When I got done, I just shut it, and I got up, and I put it down, and I took off, and I was like, oh, oh what, what did that mean? What was that? And it was like God saying, Jeremy, you just checked the box this morning, son. And it, broke, broke, it kind of broke my heart. I'm like, God, I'm sorry. But guess what followed after that? But you know what I got to do at work. You know that if I don't do this and this and this, then I won't get these things done. You know that this happens. And you know if I don't go ahead, and if I know if I didn't read your Bible now, I know I half-heartedly read, read and I know I really wasn't pursuing you, but I was just kind of doing it, check the list. Because if I kept going... And I read and I let, and let you speak to me. I'd be late and, and you know, I'll get you tonight. Then I get home that night. And supper's late. Payson's crazy, crying. Wants his daddy to put him to bed. I fall asleep the next day. And if we're not careful, that routine will keep building, building, building until, so, until one day you, you can't even feel the Spirit of God nudging you to him. And we're just caught up in this religious lifestyle instead of pursuing God. That's why so many people live an empty, dead life in a relationship with Jesus. Because if, if people tell me I'm feel, I don't feel anything, I'm, I'm, I'm not feeling like God's leading me anywhere, then I, my question to you is, do you truly love God like you say you do? If you're pressing into him, he will lead you places. He will speak to your heart. You know, Dr. David Jeremiah said this one quote that's always stuck to me. He says, religion is a man's effort to get to God. So we're like, we're trying to get to God instead of realizing he's already came to us. And so we're working all this, all this effort to try to get something that he's already given us for free. The last thing I want to say before we, before we close out is that when we walk in a love relationship with God, things start happening. Sin, stuff you struggled with for your entire life, you're able to overcome. How does that happen? How, how, do I, how do I get back to that? How do I get back to my first love? How do those things happen? How do we walk in this love relationship? That's the number one thing God wants in our, out of the church. The scripture says true love compels us, right? So if you're, not, if, you're not, if you're not compelled to do good for others, then you need to check your heart in that. See, true love for God is the only thing that's going to sustain us and it's the only thing that's going to continually allow us to see an accurate view of God. If you're pursuing God. And the closest thing I have to that is, is my relationship with my wife. I, I love my wife. I don't know how many people that I've heard that they, the reason they got a divorce is because they stopped loving. They didn't love them no more. Love is a choice. You choose to love them, right? You choose to, to, to overlook things. You choose to, to, 
to pursue them even though they don't pursue you back. It's a choice. Every single day is a choice. And some days it's a hard choice to stay. Some days it's hard, but yet you choose because of the commitment you made in front of God and in this congregation, the people that you're going to love, honor, and cherish with death to a part. That, 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 that commitment I meant, and it was it's hard. But it's the same thing with your walk with God. When you said you wanted to follow Jesus, when you prayed for God to save you, you were making a commitment to God. And that commitment was validated through baptism. And it was showing an outward that I have chosen to follow Jesus. And so every day you should say, look, this is about my commitment to Christ. The day is going to be hard to walk in it, but I'm going to choose to love God. I'm going to choose to pursue God no matter what happens around me. Y'all with me? So my question is, is, have you lost your first love? Have you ever even loved him? Or have you just made a checklist of stuff your whole life? How, how, and some of you is like, well, how do I get back? Hey, where do I go from here? And I found myself today like I don't really love Jesus like I say I do. How do I get back to him? I've allowed life to creep in. How do I get back and loving God? He gives us the answers right there. He says, consider, verse 5, he says, consider how far you have fallen. You know where you used to be and where you are now. You know when you first started following Christ, the excitement was there. Oh, show of hands. Do you remember when you first met Jesus? Do you remember the excitement that you had? Do you remember the passion that you had? Do you remember? Can you remember? Can you remember? I know more of y'all remember than that. I remember. Man, I was excited. I made the joke a lot, but that was my mentality. I was ready to charge hell with water pistols, man. It was nothing that I thought was too big for God. I was ready to go. But if you're not careful, life will drown it out. And I have to go back to that often and say, God, ooh, that's where I was. I want that today. And I think that's what we need to do every day. Say, God, make me as excited about you as I was the day I received salvation. So you got to consider how far you've fallen. Keep remembering on how far you've been. Remember, you know when you've been neglecting God. Consider those things. Think about what you've lost in that. I know when I leave my love relationship with God, I lose, first thing I lose is peace. First thing, I, second thing I lose is security. The next thing I lose is my drive. I lose those things. And when those things start being missing, I start looking at where I'm kind of, I kind of pulled over to the side of the road a little bit. It says, consider how far you have fallen. You just got to have that desire to regain that again. Do you have that desire, church? You have that desire. Anybody got that desire to regain that love, regain that passion? You got that desire. I want that again. I, don't, I hate that I lost it, but I want that again. God wants a church that is in love with him all in, sold out. Do you want that today? See, the next thing he says, consider that. You got to want it. and Because if you want it, then you will repent. Then you will repent. He says, repent. He, he's, he's calling these Ephesians to Repentance. He's asking them to change their attitude. He's asking them to change their attitude that will affect their emotions, will affect their actions. I remember my grandma, my, my grandma always said, mm, that girl got an attitude problem. See, so a lot of us have got an attitude problem. Our attitude toward God isn't where it needs to be. 
And we need to repent and turn back to that. Confession is the next thing. When we repent, we confess our sins. We admit that we're wrong. We confess these sins before God. And to repent doesn't mean that you're sorry. It means that you're broken and you're going to leave these things here and you're turning your back on them and you're never going back the same way. Now, for some days, it means you got to you got to intentionally take that rope and keep cutting it because it grows back overnight some nights. Y'all with me? Maybe it's just my life, but that's what I got to do. Sometimes I got to get the bolt cutters because then a rope is a chain. But I got to repent. I got to turn from it. I got to be intentional. God, I ain't going back to that. I'm not going back. I'm not going to feel that way again. I'm not, I don't want to get back there because I know when I get back there, I'm on an island by myself. If I get back there, I'm emotionally detached from you. When I'm, when I'm back there, I don't feel your presence. I'm not led by you, God. I don't want to get back. You got to repent. And then the last thing he says, he says, do the things you did at first. Like, go back. Remember the things you did. Remember the things that you did. You would go running out and, and you, would, you would serve people. You would love people. You would do the things you did at first. I remember, man, I would get this Bible and I would sit down hours at a time just reading it because I wanted God to speak to me. And when I get caught up in life, when I get caught up in religion, I'm just reading it. But man, when I, get, when I sit down at the house and my, all my family is asleep and I'm sitting there reading this thing and God's speaking to me, Y'all would think it's like a, it was, you, you would, I'm glad y'all ain't there. But sometimes I wish some of you were there. But I'm jumping, I'm shouting, I'm thanking God, I'm crying. I mean, because the presence of God is there. And it's like, God, I don't want to go to sleep. God, don't leave me. I'll keep reading. Maybe, maybe he'll speak to me again in John 1. I'll read John 1 and, and, and he'll speak and I'll, I'll experience that again. And I'm like, God, don't, don't leave me. Maybe, maybe he'll speak to me in John 2. And next thing you know, I've read four chapters, four books of the Bible in one night because I'm just desiring more of God. That's who he wants us to be. That's how he wants you to be. Not these people that are like, well, I'll read, I'll read a few verses this morning because, you know, that's what God wants me to do. Consider the things. Restoring that original passion. Restoring that original brokenness towards sin and neglect. When, when we're not, when we haven't came back, when we don't, when we don't really love God, you don't, if you don't really love God, you don't really hate sin. So sin is easier to do. It's easy to justify. It's easy to hold on to when you don't truly love God. So what he's telling these people, he says, return back. Come back to me. And that's what I'm begging you to do today. Come back to God. Let's come back to God. Let's be that church that, that loves God, that is known by their love, known by their affection, known by their pursuit from God. Because if that happens, he's going to do amazing things in your life. He's going to do amazing things in your town. He's going to do amazing things in your family. But we got to be the people that love God. Amen? And see, doing things, doing ministry is empty without the love of God. Life is empty, church, without the love of God. I don't want to be known. Lord forbid. And if y'all see it on my headstone, if I die before y'all do, sketch it out. I don't want this on my headstone. I don't want to say Jeremy Lindsay was a good man. I don't want that on my headstone. I want to say Jeremy Lindsay was a godly man. And I want the man that, that, that chiseled that out on my headstone to weep because he had been affected by the love I had for Jesus. Not emptiness. And what's scary is he calls us to repentance, but he says in verse 5, at the end of it, he says, i got to find it again. Y'all got me all jacked up here. He says, if you don't repent, I will come to you and I will remove your lampstand from its place. 
It says if we don't repent, see, there's consequences to not repenting. If you don't repent, he says he's going to remove the light. And if, y'all with me? He's going to remove the light. So if the Holy Spirit, if, 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 he's, if Jesus, if God is light, he said he's going to remove it. See, I, I do 100% believe in, in eternal security. Once you're truly saved, you're always saved, right? But the chances are, if you don't love God to the end, then you don't, you wasn't truly saved. And so it's, see, at the end, pursuing persistence to the end is what shows that you are all in, you truly love God, and you've never stopped. I don't want God to take it and turn my lights out. I don't want that for none of you in this room, but the reality is a lot of us are in danger of that because we're just living from day to day. Breadcrumbs instead of just pursuing God, wanting everything he has to offer in that relationship, that passionate relationship. I remember one conversation that Dallas and I had a long time ago. We was going through the book of Multiply. You may not remember it, but I had it wrote down. And I don't know if he told me, if I told him, but I wrote it down. It said, if you ever lose your passion for Christ, you'll be useless to him and to everyone around you. And I follow that up with, if you're not passionately pursuing God, if you have made it more about you than him, then eventually you'll hate even serving him. Guys, I'm telling you, we'll sit here and spin our wheels. We'll sit here and never grow. Our children will die and go to hell because we sit there and want to go through the motions of religion instead of pursuing God every day. And God gives us the keys. He says, here it is, son. Here it is, my daughter. Here's the keys. Take it. And we're like, no, we take the keys and then we go give them back. We take the keys and we give them back. Maybe today's the day that you say, God, I, I'm, I'm tired of this religion. I'm tired of just doing this out of emptiness. I've realized my motives have been jacked up. I realized my heart hadn't been all in. There was a time in my life in which I really did love you, but I've allowed life to come in and creep it out. So maybe today you need to come and you need to, you need to repent about those things. You need to say, God, I want the love I had for you at first. Bring it back to my heart. Or maybe you're here today and you've never, ever, ever experienced that love. It's always been about what you do. You've never really had that passion for Christ. You've never had that desire for Him. You've just grown up in this religious atmosphere that we live in, and it's been all about these things instead of pursuing God, and you don't know what it means to be touched by God. You've never felt the presence of the Holy Spirit. You've never had those things happen in your life, and you're living empty and dry, and today you say, I want to commit my life to God. I want to give Him my life. I want to love Him passionately. If that's you today, you want to give your life to Jesus for real this time, don't you just raise your hand and say, that's what I want. I want Jesus. I want Jesus. Amen, brother. Amen. 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 Grab him, Stephen. One of our prayer team wants to pray with you, man. Anybody else? Is anybody else? Anybody else? Amen, sister. Amen. 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 reason we do this is because we just want to celebrate with you guys and help you take your next step. That's all we, that's what we're about here. But that leaves the rest of us in this room right now. 
If you love Jesus like you say you do, then what's the fruit of it? If you love Jesus like you say you do, then, then what's the mark going to look like? If you love Jesus like you say you do, then what did yesterday look like? What do you need to give to him? What do you need to repent from? What do you need to turn back to? You with me this morning? Y'all with me? We're not going, we're not going to be religious, are we? No. We got one man that said, I ain't going to be religious. All right, then. I'm with you. The rest of y'all, I'm going to pray hard for you. But that's what this altar is for. So as the, as the worship team comes up, as we begin to pray, y'all come if God's moving in your heart. Y'all come if God's touching your soul. Y'all move. Let's pray. Father God, I come to you now. God, we pray and ask you, Lord, to do an amazing thing in the people's hearts. God, I ask you, God, to touch us. And, Lord, I thank you, Lord, for moving in my spirit, God. God, help us, Lord, realize where we haven't been genuine, where we've been turning back to old things and we've been pursuing other things we shouldn't have been pursuing you, God. I pray, Lord, that you would help us get back to you. I pray, God, that you would move into our hearts. And, God, you would really show them. God, x-ray it right now. Show us in our heart. Show us in our mind's eye right now where we really are instead of who we think we are. God, I pray you would bring us to a, to, to a place where we really consider where we really are. And God, did you bring us to a place of total surrender of where we we're, really to, we're ready to just repent and, and God, turn from that junk and pursue you 100% so that we won't be that church that is, is doing things, but God, we're a, free, we're a church that love you. So God, move on us today. Help us, God, take our next step. Help us, God, be intentional with you. In Jesus' name.